Welcome, welcome, Analog Avengers. We hope you've enjoyed your stay by the Yarra. Please open up your pen case, find the blank page in your journal, and remember your nearest emergency exit as you sit back, relax, and journey with us, the Melbourne takeover of the Nib Section podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Nib Section Podcast, the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Once again, the Melbourne crew are taking over. My name's Mel Sanders, and my first co-host is the liege of Lamy, Kevin Yank. Hi, Hello. Kevin. How you going? Be back. Yay. My second co-conspirator is the always stylish Tom May. Hey, Tom. Hello, again. Hello. Hi, Hello. Dr. Nick. <laughs> The red pen's connected to the blue pen. <laughs> <laughs> the blue pen's connected to my wristwatch. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, we hope Diana, Sharon, Chuck and Tav are relishing their break from recording and I hope everybody enjoyed the last episode, which was an introduction to Tom. We are going to delve more into his professional life today and there is likely to be a large amount of alarmy nerd out. So let's get started. Okay, Warning gang. given. Warning given. Hell yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, gang. What are we writing with today, Kevin? Uh, I am. Uh, I have literally just inked this uh, brand new Lamy LX or Lux, if you prefer. What do they call it officially? I've been told Lux. Okay. So LX, totally fine. Yeah. As long as you don't pronounce the name Lamay. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Lamy Lux Maron. So it's a 2019 new edition, special edition. I don't know if it's sticking around or going away. Tell you what, I'm not sure either. All, all Everything I've read, even internally, has been kind of a bit one way or the other. When it first was announced, it seemed like it was announced as a special edition, but some of the recent messaging has been, welcome the new edition to the yeah, uh, yeah, Lux yeah. family. But it is a looker. It is it is a, a brown metallic... Uh, but but um, but sort of uh, blasted, diffuse sort of finish. So it's not a shiny brown. It's yeah, a, it's it's, a, it's more matte than the other in the LX family. Yeah, it's a pearlescent sort of um, uh, metal finish. And then just like all of the LXs uh, or Luxes, it's it's like an All Star, but the metal or the the hardware, both finials and the clip are metallic. Um, shiny parts with uh, a coating, you know, a coated finish that matches the body. So they're like a, a bronzy brown metal, which is really nice. I, I, of course, being the collector I am, own all of the other finishes of the LX. What's and your favorite? Well, the first one I bought was the Palladium because I, I like... I, I, when I look at the options, I go like, what's the most understated, minimalist mm-hmm. sort of thing? And so I grabbed the Palladium first, and it's basically just a gray metal. And the, if, the, if the metal parts are coated in a color, you can't really tell mm-hmm. because they're just chrome because uh, that's what matches the Palladium. And then gradually I've picked up the other finishes of the Lux, the, the, uh, the rose gold, the gold, and the ruthenium. And what I found is the more colorful the finish, the more I like it. So I, I kind of like the rose gold, but I'm not really a rose gold kind of guy, so I don't use it much. The gold one, I would never have picked as my first choice, but I think it's the prettiest of the four originals just because it is so saturated a color. And now the Maron is the new winner. I think it's justifiably many people's favorite of the set. It's chic. I like it. And it brings back a color that was really hard to find in the All-Star, which was the coffee brown special edition from 
2007 or so, um, but uh, really hard and expensive to find on eBay. This one's an even nicer looking version of it because you got the matching um, hardware finishes. So I really like it. And because I literally, it was in the mailbox when we got to the office to record today, I have inked it with the blue cartridge it, it came with, which is something I've never done oh, before. Wow. I have always <laughs> used a converter from my very first Lamy pen. So uh, I am now experiencing cartridge life, and let me tell you, there's no going back. Oh. <laughs> That's a lie. As long as you That's refill it. <laughs> refill it. Recycle it. Uh, okay, Tom, what have you got? I have got a, uh, funnily enough, not a fountain pen. <gasps> I hope that's allowed. Yes. Uh, I have uh, a Palomino 602 in my pocket that Let's has been worn down just enough that I can put a Delphonics clip on it and fit it in my shirt pocket. Yeah, Cute. it's pocket size. Yeah, I think it's what it's roughly at what the uh, the pencil nerds from the erasable world will call the Steinbeck stage. Because a bit of uh, a bit of weird trivia, John Steinbeck loved using the Blackwing 602s, and he would all amongst a couple of other uh, now legendary pencils, and he would stop roughly when it gets to uh, when it gets past the point where you're able to rest it in between your thumb and index finger. He'd toss them. Mm. So it's almost done by Steinbeck standards. Yes, and also I like I like sort of keeping them at that level where I can still see the half the pressure, twice the speed. Is that on yeah. every Palomino? It certainly is. Yes, and I've I've always, I've I've sort of thought that um, if I ever needed a byline or something on my tombstone, it can be um, half the pressure, twice the speed. Well, I was thinking twice the pressure, half the speed. It's <laughs> probably more accurate. <laughs> Do do uh, Palermo Blackwings come in special editions? Oh, they do indeed, um, and they're dangerous. And I'm of two minds. Um, is that a special edition? It is not a special edition. Okay. The 602 is the Bob's obviously dead. not made by Palomino, but mm-hmm. 602 is the one that's been around since the 1930s. Um, that's the classic, and as the purist that I am, it's kind of the one that I hoard. Uh, though there are limited editions, uh, the latest one is very exciting for me as a bit of a uh, old old-time baseball nerd. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's a red, white, and blue type deal, Yeah, red, white, and blue, number 42, Jackie Robinson, the first African-American in the major leagues. Awesome. The emerald green one's really pretty. Yeah, there are a lot. Of, I think my favourite is still the 530, which was the California Gold Rush mm-hmm. one. Cool. Um, I have got in my hot little hand my newest baby. Um, it's the 2019 limited edition VP. I fondly call it the tropical turkey because I get sick of saying turquoise <laughs> all the time. Um, it's in a fine nib um, and it's quite lovely. I've got it filled with Robert Oster Aqua because Robert Oster turquoise was too green oh. to go in a turquoise pen. Ah, needs more blue. Needs more blue and aqua was perfect. What um, number did you get? I got... 1,068. Ooh, I got 1,098. There you go. Oh, yeah. Not far apart. Um, got it from the team at Bookbinders Design. Thank you very much, team. Um, and, yeah, I love it. It sparkles in the sun. Bit of trivia. I don't know if everybody knows, and I don't know if it's common knowledge. Um, but it was talked about on the Anderson Pens podcast a little while ago, so maybe it is common knowledge. Um, the limited edition – the limited editions – um, are actually one year is a French design yes. and one year is an American design. Oh, I didn't know they were French. I thought they were Japanese American. Yeah, so one year um, pilot France each year, 
or each alternative year, Pilot France puts in their design yeah. options, and then the next alternative year, America puts so in their design. So cross lines is France's French. fault. It's it's well fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna it's go. Almost, I'm gonna say fault. It's kind of fascinating because it gives you this sort of window into the difference in style. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, when you look at say uh, uh, menswear and tailoring, like an Italian suit versus a British suit versus a French suit, they're all slightly different. You yeah. get these little touches. It's I was aware that went like understated, colorful, understated, mm-hmm. colorful. And uh, I think yeah, yeah, now we can kind of see the under the underlying reason of why. So yeah, last year's was. French this year's is American. Pilot Japan still choose their favourite out of the selections that America and France give them. Um, but, yeah, the Crimson Sunrise American, the Twilight American, the pink one is American, um, Cross Lines is French, the Copper was French, the Goulouche, is Gioche, that Gioche, Gioche, Gioche. I should have known it was French. Gioche. 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 French, which is beautifully textured. Um, and if you can pick one up, they are really They're lovely pens. That's, I've yeah, had they, one um, on my watch list for a while, but th- it's really hard to pull the trigger at that price. Yes, they um, and they are quite beautiful, um, and they're getting yeah older now, so mm, they are getting mm. more expensive. Um, but yeah, just a little bit of trivia. Okay, we are going to move on now to a little bit of feedback. I've got a couple of emails I'm going to read out, so just bear with me. Um, we've had some feedback from a couple of international listeners. Um, so the first one is from a gentleman called... Andrew McPhail. He starts out. Dear Chuck, Diana, Sharon and Tav. Yesterday I was pining for an episode, even though one's not quite due yet. Being a relatively new subscriber, I downloaded an archived episode, The Second Anniversary Show. As I listened, I frequently applauded and gave verbal affirmations in the direction of my phone's speaker. And Americans already think lots of letter carriers are crazy. For Aussies, that's a postie. He's a postie. I'm not doing anything to unseat the stereotype, it would seem, what with my talking back to the voices in my satchel as I walk through the neighbourhoods. You all struck a perfect balance in your response to the question about the fountain pen movement being a bit bougie and materialistic. We all have different reasons that we love pens. We have different ways of using, collecting and appreciating them. Best of all, you produce the podcast for those personal reasons, not because you're sponsored by pen companies, retailers, stationers, etc. And I hope it always remains organic, uninfluenced by the fads and the promotions that so often overflow from media productions. You didn't call for sponsors, but you shouldn't have to make a direct appeal. People should do what they believe. That's what involves me with fountain pens in the first place. As I grew up and to this day, I've corresponded with my friends through handwritten letters. I believe they do well for the soul, even though I'm not prepared to preach at length on the issue. It's more a matter of the doing than it is of the saying. Some of my friends are truly gifted artists and can, with very basic materials, create amazing art, envelopes and lettering. I'm used on how my plebeian pens really added absolutely nothing to the aesthetic of my letters, an area in which I'm not as intrinsically gifted. But while vacationing in Canada, a landlord had me sign our temporary tenant agreement with his fountain pen. In short, it was all over for plebeian pens and ink. I have a pen devoted to corresponding with each friend, each fitted with an ink of the friend's favourite colour. I also have two workhorse pens that I use for everything else. Tiny tangent, 
Based on a certain recommendation, my brother's ink, green, has recently been updated, albeit temporarily, to Karen Daash Amazon. Wow, there truly is no contender against that one. There you go, die. On behalf of Pen Pals, I'd like to sponsor the podcast. I'm not a man of extraordinary means, but I am not a man of extraordinary illusions either. It takes resources and commitment to keep good things and people in good stead. How can I help do that? Sincerely, Andrew from Connecticut. Wow. Yeah. Good on you, Andrew. That's Andrew, fantastic. that was beautiful. I'm going to send you my PayPal address <laughs> and it'll all be taken care of. <laughs> I just... I just did want to touch on sponsorship and I just think, Andrew, the one thing that you can do, apart from the listen, rate and review, is to pass it on to pen people that you meet. Keep it in the community, keep the feel of the community together rather than the the dollar focus that that you are talking about. This podcast is about a love for pens and inks and paper that has drawn Diana, Chuck, Tav, Sharon, Brian, Tom, Kevin, Mel, Alistair, Sophia, Mark, all together, not for money. It's for a love of a hobby that we all share. And it costs effectively nothing to do except our time and attention. Which we enjoy. And, and so, yeah, I agree with you. Like the, the, the thing you could do if you want to support this podcast is to amplify the time that we put into it by sharing it more broadly. And yeah. Engaging with the show as he's already done. Which is perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, that was just my two cents worth. I know that there has been some discussion on sponsorship, but I think that in this regard and in in the current space we have now, community is what sets us apart and it's what our listeners value. They value the opinions that are given because they know they're not sponsored. We get sent things to be reviewed because the review is not biased. And I think the listeners appreciate that more so than there being an underlying what if. That's just my two cents. Mm, Yeah. Two cents, ten cents. <laughs> I've got another one from... Actually, before we go into that, can yes. I add one more thing to that? Yes. I have, I have a question for Andrew, though, if he wants to write back in with the answer. Perfect. Um, as a mail carrier, how many handwritten envelopes does he see in a given day? Um, his, his mention of, like, envelope art uh, really struck a chord with me because I, I, I spend some of my time on video games, and uh, I, I remember a podcast uh, from IGN, one of the big video game news outlets, and they were they were bemoaning the fact that they used to get their correspondence from listeners in the form of envelopes, and almost all of the envelopes out of tradition were plastered with envelope art. So they'd, they'd get a, a letter from uh, a listener, and even before opening it, they would know it was a, a, a fan of The Legend of Zelda just because it was completely front and back covered with uh, artwork. And they're like, this almost never happens anymore. And then every once in a while, a, a letter will arrive at the office, and it is a paper letter with envelope art like the good old days, and they miss it so much. I, I just wonder, like, uh, from his position on the front lines, how lost of an art is the hand-addressed envelope with one assumes handwritten communication inside. And I can imagine the thrill he would get from delivering those ones as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get back to us, Andrew. We'd love to hear from you. I've got another one from Sandar. Hello, Nib section. Chuck, Sharon and Diana. I am from India and a regular follower of your podcast. It is one of the best fountain pen podcasts out there. Kudos to it. Please keep a steady stream coming and I would not mind a longer unedited version of your pods too. 
I would consider myself a passionate fountain pen user and the discussion around pens, stationery and especially the price point fascinates me a lot. I picked up this hobby when I was in the USA, starting off with Rodia, Clau Fontaine and Tom. How do you say it? <laughs> Tomoe River. Tomoe it's River. Tomo, Mel. Tomo. Tomo. Up near Wagga. <laughs> you know. Good cake um, shop. Ooh, don't talk about country cakes. I'm hungry. <laughs> Writing with a waterman expert, Lamy Safaris and Pilot Custom to eight, um, 823. Sorry, Sharon, but I love this pen. Later, I moved on to India and carried the hobby over. However, once in India, suddenly a Rodia dot pad or a Clafontaine notebook, which was a necessity in the US, felt like a luxury in India. I started exploring what other local options were available and after tons of testing various paper brands and finishes, settled on two commonly available print-up papers. I started making my DIY notebooks with them and soon found these to be equally fountain pen friendly at a fraction of the price. Today, my Tomoe River rival, though not as thin, and the Clafontaine rival costs me about $1 AUD for 94 sheets and 127 sheets for an A5 notebook, respectively. Not as thin sounds not bad to me. It I have to not say, bad like, to me that's. The, the, the thin version of Tomoe River, uh, the 52 GSM, mm-hmm. um, is actually too, too thin fine. for me. Yeah. For me. So that's a step up as far as yeah. I'm concerned. It's an engineering marvel, though. <laughs> like, how they managed to do that is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to pens, I found a few pens priced around $1.25 AUD to perform comparable to a Waterman Expert or a Schaefer 300. Many of the fountain pen enthusiasts in my community, after using the stationery, seem to agree they perform equally well. I was wondering if we, people in my pen community, could get a point of view from the folks at the nib section on the stationery and pens we now use regularly to see how it fares against the premium end paper and pens. I will be in Melbourne sometime at the end of October, early November, and can bring along some of these items to ship out to you to try on, pass wow. on to you, and pass on your views, and probably comment about it in one of your podcasts. Do it, do it, let's do it. Yeah, Kevin and I are quite excited, Sandra. I think you'll be getting an email from me in the next week. Yep. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. I can't wait to cool. try. Cool. I don't use Tomoe River because it's expensive. Yeah, I don't use it for work either. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I do use it for work, but but it's like if there were a version that cost a dollar for all of that paper, I would be buying that instead. I use yeah. it for letter writing, but I just use Rodeo for work. Can't wait to try. Mm, thank you. And that's our email section over. We're already locked in for a future episode, Mel. Yeah, I know. You're going to have to <laughs> listen to our voices again. <laughs> Get to. Get to. Um, okay, we are going to move on now to... The pen doctor, yeah. Tom May. Hi, everybody. <laughs> We've Hi. been very, very patiently waiting in the waiting room to see the pen doctor. <laughs> we were finally let in. Ladies and gentlemen, the pen doctor has arrived. <laughs> what makes you the pen doctor, dude? Uh, I fix pens. I fix pens. That's what makes me the pen doctor. How did you get to be the pen doctor? I'm still trying to work that out. <laughs> I applied to be, I'm the pen doctor for Milligram. Mm-hmm. slash telegram company. So we look after the milligram retail stores and the wholesale customers for telegram. Which um, is Lamy. Lamy and Kaveco predominantly. Yeah. Uh, and the way I got the job was basically I applied to be a retail assistant because I tell you what, I was working in furniture and 
pens vibed with me a bit more than sofas at the time. Yeah. Um, and then the first training meeting we had, the previous pen specialist pointed at me from across the room and was like, I know who you are. <laughs> He'd seen me in fountain pen groups and right. the Melbourne pen show and was like, come with me. <laughs> and we have a special cut. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, I know just where you'll fit. Oh, wow. And uh, he doesn't talk like that. He's a lovely man. <laughs> um, and then a couple, couple months later, I was um, – Senior pen doctor. So yeah, exciting. And that's so that's that's Lummy for us uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Australia, Australia. Right. Um, we have had some sent in from New Zealand, though it's really Australia um, and Quebec for the I've, same territory. Exactly. Yeah. Um, of course, anyone has that. Uh, we've had people. Um, it's like oh, we've had you know less luck somewhere else or blah, blah, blah. And they've sent it to us either by mistake or whatever else, but Australia. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Can you take us through a typical day as a pen doctor? Yes. So uh, I work in the Melbourne Central store for Milligram. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not where the pen repairs are sent. They're sent to our warehouse mm-hmm. and the warehouse sends it to me. So I start my day with a sometimes intimidatingly huge pile of envelopes from pen stores and individuals all across Australia, as well as uh, all the ones that have walked in to the store directly. So the the warehouse just sends the pile of envelopes as they received it? They don't they unpackage do. no, them? No, they, uh, they don't unpackage and repackage. Yeah. They send them all to me. Yeah, um, right. Sometimes there is not much to unpackage. I cannot stress this enough. If you're sending me a Lamy 2000 or a Dialogue 3 to prepare, at least put it in a padded envelope. <laughs> Don't just put it in a little Officeworks oh, envelope. Oh, gosh. Uh, people do that. Yeah. Um, and I will look after your pen as best I can one way or another, but just for the pen's sake, please look after yeah. it. Put it in a padded envelope. Was it pulverized when you put it in, oh the, in the envelope? Yes. <laughs> Quest, Stint, quest, was it already here? Question, questions like that. And tell you what, I've had pens come in damaged in padded envelopes, so even they don't solve every problem. You've got to you've got to be careful. And I mean, I'd hate to have to. Uh, I'd hate I'd hate for the repair to take twice or three times as long just because you wanted to save two dollars. Mm-hmm. So. so then, what happens? Then I unpack them. I, uh, if it's a day full of 2000s and studios, I know I'm going to have a great time. Uh, and then sometimes if it's, uh, if I say open a 1960s Lamy 2000, I might skip over the admin that I really should be doing as far as adding them into cases and just start disassembling the thing yep, yep. and working out what's wrong with it. But, uh, the procedure is I unpack them all and I make a case for them and I write down the details and I email the customer saying, Hey, I've got your pen. Uh, and then I just try and work out uh, what's wrong with it. Uh, most most of the time, I'll have a little letter that's handwritten saying what's wrong with the pen and and whatnot, and um, I can go from there. Yeah. So when you said if if there's studios in two thousands, you'll have a great day. Is that because they're the the most pleasant ones to service? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I personally love both of those pens. Uh, Gerda Muller, who designed the two thousand, and Hans Vetstein, who designed the studio. I think are the two of the finest designers that Lamy has ever worked with. Um, but they are also just brilliant to service. They're so easy to disassemble. They go back together. It makes you feel like a uh, makes you actually feel like a mechanic. You're not just oh that part's broken. I'll get a new part. Or something like that, which has to happen with some of the more machine-assembled pens like the Safari. There's not much you can do on a Safari if certain parts of it 
go bad except for just replace it. But if I get a 1960s Lamy 2000 in that the piston's stuck, there's nothing cracked or anything, the piston's just stuck, I'll have a ball because yeah. I can just sort of soak it a little bit, heat it up a little bit, make sort of loosen it up, get it, you know, un- undo everything and then give it a good clean and put it back together. And when you get a pen that has been dead for maybe even a decade or or longer who knows it's been left in a drawer and you get it working like brand new it's a good feeling nice Mm. the the thing uh, studio was my first love uh for the for the lamis and the thing that people often discover after years of ownership is that the the front of the nib section unscrews yes it does uh because they'll they'll accidentally unscrew it and then they'll get lost inside the cap but I love that, like, when I first learned that that was a thing, I was uh, – it, it gave me confidence that this is a pen that is designed to outlast its initial, mm-hmm. like, honeymoon period. Yep. It's designed to, to take, a, take daily use and at a certain point be maintained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as silly as it is, that's one of my favorite things to happen to a studio because I can look at it and know immediately what's happened. And then I can look in the cap and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I see where it is because it's usually still actually clutched in the cap itself. I can just get some tweezers, pluck Wait, it out. Wait, do people just open the, open the lid and go, where's my cap gone? Or can they not get the you might not even little ring on the front yeah. that goes missing? It gets lost oh, inside the cap. Oh, okay, right. And then it doesn't fall out. So it's not the whole nib. It's no. just that just No, just that, that tiny little mm. ring. And then they put the cap on and it doesn't click. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. And little quirks like how uh, the majority of screws or threads uh, that you're not meant to take apart with Lamy pens go in the reverse direction ah. to usual things. So we'll get a lot of ballpoints sent in being like, oh, my tip's... Tips detached. I want to send it in. I'm like, try screwing it in the other way. <laughs> and sometimes they'll never even reply, but yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, my God. And you can almost hear the audible face slap yep. in the uh, email. But <laughs> it's, it's little things like that that um, make it all, uh, all fun and games. So with the base levels like the safaris, do you keep parts on site? Uh, yes, uh, lots and lots and lots of parts, lots of caps, uh, grip sections and barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a bit of a got a bit of a uh, treasure trove of little bits and pieces of uh, long gone editions, whether mm-hmm. it be a barrel from a coffee brown studio or a cap from the yellow safari when it had a black clip or all sorts Kevin's of different dying things. dying to get I, in there. I've already, I've already gotten <laughs> oh, a tour of this. There. Yeah, <laughs> Tom invited re- me in one day and said, here, see if there's Dig. anything that's interesting. <laughs> really, really strange nibs that you're like, what the hell does that even mean? Uh, Kevin's I've got the two that, that I took from your trove. Uh-huh. Uh, that we have here a couple of, you know, standard-looking Lamy interchangeable nibs, but one, one is badged MK and one is badged FA. Oh. Yeah. So uh, the MK is a medium kugel nib. Is that with a ball nib? With the ball yes, on the nib? Yes, it's, it's to... It's I know something. <laughs> so kugel... Uh, is, is I don't know what the other yeah. side of that name is, uh, but kugel is... Schreiber is how Kugel Schreiber. describe a ballpoint pen. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And uh, so it's a fountain pen that is meant to mimic the feeling of a ballpoint 
which of course is the reason why we're all using fountain pens. <laughs> um, but actually, I've got to say, it is a really interesting little nib. And I tell you what, there's a hell of a lot of tipping on that fella. So if you ever wanted to grind it to something... Uh, can I tell you? Very interesting. You definitely could. The Daiso pens that you can get for however how much is how much yen is a Daiso shop it's how like much two, yen it's $2 like two dollars eighty Australian two yen or whatever it is um yeah two dollars eighty the the Daiso fountain pens have got that massive amount of tipping on that round <laughs> tipping on the end of them nice and smooth if you get a good one and yes they are excellent for practicing your grinds on mm-hmm. do you have a take on the difference between the the K nibs and the A beginner nib. Uh, the A is often described as like it's the beginner nib. It's forgiving. It'll right at yeah, the angles. Exactly. But and that's also how you would describe a round. And nib. it's also how you describe a left-handed nib, uh, which Lamy make as well. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? I'm left-handed. Well, see, that's the whole thing about left-handed nibs is there's a thousand different ways to be a left-hander. Yeah. And there is one kind one of left-handed, left-handed nib. nib. Um, the left-handed nib from Lamy is just meant to be more uh, rounded and forgiving towards being pushed across the page rather than pulled. Um, and if that's the if that's what's going on there, I've looked at them all under a loop. There's not a lot different between a Kugel nib and an FA nib and a left-handed nib. So what's the FA nib? That's fine. So um, I'm honestly not sure. There might be in Europe if the FA nib is still available. Certainly not as exciting as Pilot's FA nib. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, when I saw that, I, I like, uh, sort of had a bit of a chuckle. I was like, oh, they did a flex. No, no Lamy no, never did not. We'll never do a flex pen. <laughs> Um, but the A nib is still available on the uh, really ABCs. the ABCs, ABC, yeah. the really sort of beginners level mm-hmm. pens, um, and the F just stands for the finer version of the A nib. Mm, cool. Uh, we threw open the doors for questions in the Fountain Pens Oceania group and also in the Fountain Pens Australia group. Are yes, you happy you to answer a couple? Absolutely. Um, Antonia asked, have you tried Lamy's new notebooks and how is the paper? I have. Uh, how is the paper? Quotes. In quotes. Uh, the paper's good. I might be a little bit biased, not because of my connection to Lamy, but because I like rather absorbent paper with a bit of feedback. Yeah. This isn't glassy smooth Clairefontaine or Tomo River kind of paper. It's got a bit of feedback. It absorbs ink. Um, if you're someone like me who will typically just use a black ink or a, or a very utilitarian ink. You're going to have no problem at all. Uh, it's fantastic with a fine nib or an extra fine nib. Uh, but, however, if you're a sheenaholic or you're into your shading or you're into your uh, particulates, uh, maybe give them a miss. They're going to be a bit too absorbent for any of the, uh, the fun, adventurous inks. But, of course, that's not what they're built for. They're built for uh, utilitarian notebook use. I'm about halfway through mine. And, yeah, I, as I previously described them on the, on the show. Yeah, Episode 48. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not like I tried it and went, blah, I'm never using this. I'm halfway through it. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way through this one and the other one I bought. So um, they are nice. And it's... It's kind of a it's a forgotten luxury to just write something and then close the book right away. Yeah, right. You don't have to wait for it to dry. Yeah. Um, so it's a great work. Game of Thrones yeah, perfect, fans. Perfect mating book. <laughs> mm. um, yes, you can check out that episode. Uh, I think Sharon interviewed Kevin 
um, regarding the Lamy Notebook. That is episode number 48, so you can go back and check that out if you're interested. Um, Sophia asks, friend of the pod, uh, worst pen you've ever seen come in for repair? Ooh. Feel free to tell as many stories as you like here. Yeah, um, there are plenty of pens that have been sent in in just terrible, terrible shape. I've had Macrolon 2000s sent in with plier marks clawed into the piston once it's stuck. Mm. And uh, Lord knows why they weren't just patient enough to give it a bit of a soak and be, you know, gentle, gentle. Um, I would have to say a Dialogue 3 that was sent in. We get a lot of Dialogue 3s that have been dropped on the, the front aperture. Which are, they means the clicky, are they the um, they're skinny the, ones? Yeah, yeah, the twist and uh, twist and the nib reveals. The cap, they're capless mm-hmm. fountain pen. No, they're not. And uh, <laughs> They don't have a cap. I then. think you'll find. <laughs> cap deprived. Thank you. It's not a quote-unquote capless. Anyway, continue. Cap, capless cap lowercase cap kit. Free. <laughs> cap free. Not trademarked. But the worst, worst Dialogue 3 I had in, I, I was able to open it. I was able to reveal the nib. And the nib was splayed in a way I've never seen another nib splayed. Oh. It were, the tines were like, it was like a falcon claw. So the two front tines were forward and curled over. Right. And then the feed yeah. was bent in between oh the two God. tines. <laughs> it was incredible. I still have... I took I it took a long time it feeds for whatever reason are very difficult to get out of dialogue 3 right. sections. I did manage to get it out. There was no way I was letting that go into a bin. Mm. I got it out. I still have it in my drawer. Mm. This is over a year and a half ago. I will never get rid of it. If I ever need to get rid of it, I'm sending it to MoMA. <laughs> it deserves to be there. Yeah. It is a work of art. Wow. And so they presumably they dropped, dropped the pen it. on its on its nib and then went, I know what I'll do, I'll retract it. <laughs> well, thank God it could still retract because yeah. the thing that happens with dialogues is, I mean, they're heavy pens. There's a lot of weight behind them. If they drop on a hard surface and that front aperture bends, you can't open that front door yeah. and get the nib out. So uh, in that case, I can't even do anything. It has to go straight to Germany. Um, but in a weird way, lucky for him, he had it open when it dropped. This is almost the only instance ever where it's a good thing you dropped it on the nib. The most replaceable part. The most replaceable part. He was able to pay for a new nib. He got a new feed because I'm such a nice fella. Mm -hmm. And he was able to get his pen back within a week, Yeah, uh, which is certainly different to most dialogues that come in. Can you talk about... can you talk about how hard or easy, uh, like what is the hardest Lamy mm. pen to repair? Uh, I suppose the hardest pen to repair probably would be the dialogue. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the time I don't technically repair them. Yeah. They, 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 a, lot, well, a lot of what happens to them is just a, this has to go to Germany because yep. they're the ones with the machining and the parts and right. the tools to take them apart properly. Uh, but like in that case um, that we just spoke about, if there is one that is damaged in such a way that it doesn't need to go to Germany that I can do, um, they certainly are the most complicated to service. And once, i got to say, once you manage to service a Dialogue 3 and get it twisting properly, I once had one that was moving so freely that you were able to hold it with one hand and just do a real flick with the on the clip and it would open perfectly. Ooh, la, la. You're like, got to say, Better a than bit of started. a power move. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all right. 
Wow. So, yeah. So that's, I guess, it sounds like that is the diagnostic process with H-Pen is, A, can I get this apart here in my shop? Yes. And B, the piece, the parts that need changing, do I have them here in my shop? Mm. And, and there are certain parts that aren't made available to us. Yeah. Um, say like the PVD parts to an Emporium, we're mm-hmm. not able to get. We're able to get nibs and of course the feed is the same, but uh, certain parts are only kept by Lamy Germany. Um, Will they send them on to you or do you have to send the pen away in that case? It's really a case-by-case case basis. Right. Depends. Yep. Yeah, it really depends. So if you go into the Milligram Melbourne Central shop, right at the back, there is behind the the checkout. There is mm-hmm. Tom's window. My little den, yes. <laughs> the little sign that and says look, "Pen Doctor." Yeah, and you look inside, and there's shelves and shelves of stuff behind where you stand. That's all the that's the library of pen parts. Uh, that is also just the sh- the store's back room. Yeah, right. but there are all sorts of little treasure troves back there of all sorts of stuff. Um, which makes it sound exciting. I'm sorry. It's, it's actually not. Um, it probably is the first time you go through and be like, oh, would you look at that? It's, it's the um, Indiana Jones, yeah. end of Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom warehouse where uh, the, the guy pushes the Pushing the cart, and yeah. So one in a thousand yeah. has the Holy I, Grail in I, it. I haven't seen the Ark of the Covenant in quite a while. Um, uh, luckily, the last pen specialist's face didn't melt off either. Um, <laughs> Oh, God, we shouldn't have mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark. We've got to go on a huge tangent here. Oh, boy. Mm, All right. Once again, we find, Dr. Jones, there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. Uh. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Right, let's move on. Uh, I have a question from Silvana, your lovely workmate, um, and my Melbourne pen show co-conspirator. Uh, what is the rarest pen you've ever seen come in for repair? I'm honestly not sure, really. Um, the, there's certain pens I've only ever seen one come in, but whether or not they're the rarest is another question. Uh, I once had a Lamy Lady come in, which is quite the oddity in Lamy's history, yeah. even taking into account Lamy's pre-Bauhaus-inspired era. It's strange. Mm. Um for so many reasons, it's strange. I've had one of those come in. So as far as my actual career as a pen doctor, that's been the rarest. Yeah. But the rarest as far as how many are out there would be a nineteen early 1960s era Lamy 2000 mm-hmm. uh, that has the little ball under the clip and D- Lamy W Germany engraved on the cap, which... No cap Macrolon is engraved anymore. has been engraved for at least 30, almost 40 years at this point. Yeah, all the badging is under the metal clip now. Correct, In the yeah. bottom of – yeah. on the underside of the metal clip. And they used to heat stamp on the Macrolon as well what the nib size was. Yeah. And there's the L on the bottom to say it's a fountain pen. And But it's that little clip – it's that little ball under the clip. It's something that – I'm sure we'll talk about this, but Lamy – I talk a lot about the fact that the Lamy 2000 is virtually unchanged in over 50 years, but the key word there is virtually, and I feel like I'm going to shoot myself in the own foot, in my own foot here as someone who wants to collect uh, vintage Lamy 2000s, but 
it's an untapped market of so many little tiny variations that particularly anyone who's obsessed with watches can get into because it's it's like, oh, but I've got one that's got an 18-karat gold nib that isn't stamped at all. I've got an 18-karat gold nib that is stamped, but we don't know what the nib size is. That's not stamped. All these tiny little variations that you have to kind of repair over 200 to start noticing. Yeah. Um, but you start getting super, super, super excited about Kevin it. Kevin has the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> I have a few of those variations. But there are plenty more, yeah. Uh, the Lamy lady you mentioned, like, how does that go when a pen that you've never seen before and have not seen since comes into your shop? Is there, like, is there a service manual for each model that tells you how to take it apart? Or are you trained in um, what to look for, what to do? Like, uh, there, there really isn't. And if something comes in, obviously, it doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, I was pretty... I had a comprehensive idea of the current Lamy line and the Lamy line, say, from a couple of years back when we had a couple more models, yada, 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 uh, when I got the job. But, of course, there are so many little things like the Lamy Lady that I was just like, what the hell is that? Um, which, and mo- they, which one was it? Was it the cow? It was the cow. <laughs> it was the cow. The um, Yeah, and i got to say, I, I, I'm so puzzled it ever got through Lamy's... There's three, isn't it? Yeah, I have I've yeah, got all three. Yeah, There's a yeah. blue cow, a black cow, and a striped. You didn't have I mean, all I'm three not... last time I talked to you. Yeah, oh. It's 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 not that it's a strange pen to exist. It's a strange pen from the company. Yeah. yeah. It's it's such a strange oddball pen. But there is no manual for each pen. Um, I just had a very good teacher, and I have a network of people that have been in in the industry a lot longer than I have that I can go. Uh, what? is this but i gotta say it doesn't happen much anymore and of course i know you kevin (laughs) yeah uh wow when that um when that guy said come with me i have a place for you Mm. like from from that point to the point you were servicing pens what was the training process like did they ship you off to heidelberg for for a a induction of some Um, kind yeah, uh, yeah. Calling my bosses. If you if you ever do want to send me to Heidelberg, I'll I'll happily go. I mean, if you can't <laughs> find anyone else who wants to go, I'll go. Yeah. Um, but no, they didn't. Um, I was just so where I do the pen doctoring at the back of the milligram store. I'm very lucky because I am the first pen doctor to do it there. Previously, all repairs were done at our warehouse, so I did my training with the previous pen specialist, uh, Dion at the uh, Melbourne Milligram Warehouse. Mm. And uh, I've got to say, I am jealous of the amount of space he had in there because the, my desk is uh, way too small. But It's a bit uh, of a hobbit hole. It is a bit of a hobbit hole, but it's charming. Mm. It's charming. Mm. It's quaint. Uh, property values are excellent. Um, <laughs> it's an up-and-coming suburb. Um, but, yeah, so he would just go through. I, and funnily enough, I knew, I knew a bit about servicing fountain pens. What he taught me the most about was servicing mechanical pencils. He'd be like, oh, well, you can take apart this part and this part, and this, that's what I do. And if I need this, I un- undo a paper clip and I straighten it out and I do that and all this sort of stuff. And so what I actually enjoy day-to-day doing, uh, the thing that makes me uh, feel most like a specialist or a mechanic or whatever, a pen doctor, is funnily enough, mechanical pencils and the Lamy 2000s. Mm. Because they're the most hands-on. They're the most... They're uh, little machines. They're little machines. Mm. You've got little parts that you can check if they're moving correctly or if they've got a jam and they've got tools that you can 
unblock those jams and sometimes you need a special kind of screwdriver to get to a part to unscrew it and yada 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 or you have to um i remember one of my first uh days learning with dion he is a macgyver as far as um pen pen repairing goes he will make tools out of all sorts i i see videos of people repairing vintage pens and they've got it's like watchmaking. They've got a thousand different specialized tools. Uh, it was not like that. I remember us having a eraser stuck at the bottom of a mechanism for a 2000 mechanical pencil. And I tell you what, that is the worst thing that happened because it's so hard to get out. And I really like, I'm obsessive, I want to get it out rather than replace the mechanism. So we spent a good couple of hours finding the perfect size of paperclip in the warehouse <laughs> to straighten out and bend with pliers just enough to sort of create a hook wow. to try and click in and pull it out. And, um, yeah, I I was verbally ready to give up several times, <laughs> but Dion is like, no, 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 we're doing it, we're doing it. And, and we did. And you did it. And yeah, we did. Mm. Yeah. So is the reason that you're stationed at the shop mm. front now rather than the warehouse, is that so you can help people who come in it off is. the street so, real time? So once upon a time, we didn't have physical stores. Uh, we didn't have physical stores uh, back in the note maker days. Mm. So we were mm. online only. Yeah. That's when I first um, subscribed to the mailing too. list. Same here. Yeah. Uh, so basically... Uh, sort of made sense if you've got a physical store mm. what it's so much easier for me as well that if someone can come in and say i've got this problem with my pen we can maybe diagnose it say tell you what i'm just going to go out the back i'll give it a flush out i think it's going to be fine or we can talk about it in person and work out exactly what's wrong it's so much better um so and also you in, you interact with people and you get to talk to other pen pen nerds mm-hmm. like us mm-hmm. and that's 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 always fun First time I met you is uh, the second Lamy pen I bought. I was tossing up between the Studio Racing Green uh-huh. and the Studio Imperial Blue. Uh-huh. I came into the shop and Milligram had one of each. I was looking at them side by side. And in the end, I bought the special edition because it might not be around much longer. Because wise decision. Uh, we did not have those around <laughs> for much longer. Uh, but it only had a medium nib on it. And at the time, I wanted a fine. And so they said, we'll get Tom to swap the nib for you. Hey. <laughs> yes, that is that is a uh, often repeated phrase in the milligram store. Yeah. It's like, I'll get the pen guy to do it for you. Um, we got a question from Diana, our fearless leader. Uh, one thing no one knows unless they worked in the fountain pen industry so i saw this question come in and i don't know if i have a satisfying answer to it i probably could on the right day with the right thing that's happened and i could just but off the top of my head it would probably be the pen industry is somehow both larger and smaller than you think it is at the same time Mm -hmm. there are not nearly as many people doing what i do which is not i'm not repairing vintage pens i'm not a nib meister i'm i do tuning and and repairing obviously but i'm not the best in the world not Mm -hmm. even in the top 100 pen specialists in the world but even then top 100 there aren't many of us um say put a little context lamy uh servicing for australia wide goes through one person me and before me it was one person yep so there are, and I'm sure it's the same with other other companies as mm-hmm. well. So there are far fewer 
of us than uh, you might even think. Yeah. Well, I know with Pilot, um, having my vanishing points serviced, um, occasionally I have to send them back to Pilot Australia for O-ring. Actually, my Decimo, uh, the O-ring snaps on that constantly. I don't know why. And yeah, it's got to go to Pilot Australia and then they quote me a repair fee and then they ship it off to Japan. Then Japan ships it back and Pilot Australia ship it back to me. So it's nice to have someone for Lamy and Kaveco or just for Kaveco, Lamy. correct, yeah. yeah. For Lamy and Kaveco in the country that can actually look at it rather than it being sent back to Germany each and every I w- each I w- and every pen has to be sent back. Yes. And I got to say, um, I have interacted with Pilot on many occasions because yeah. uh, we sell Pilot in the yeah. store as well. Uh, I've got friends who work for Pilot and it's a remarkably tight ship. Oh, it's fantastic. It's incredible. I've never had, and much I, like their pens, never ab- had a problem. Absolutely, absolutely cannot blame them for operating their business the way they do. Yep. It's incredible. Um, but I tell you what, I wouldn't mind being their repair specialist Ooh, as well. yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, Trip to Japan for training. Yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> um, pilot, you have my number. <laughs> um, yes. When I talk to people about the the crazy amount of money I spend on pens... And this is like, you know, to ordinary people who go, you spent $50 on a pen? Yeah. yeah. I remember um, crossing that barrier the first time and just like I look back at that and I'm like, oh, you sweet, naive child. <laughs> Summer child. <laughs> what I will often tell them is that, um, that part of spending that amount of money on a pen is that you get a tom with it. That, you know, if something goes wrong, even if it's kind of your fault, yeah. you can take it to Tom and they will do what they can within reason to help get this pen back working in your hand again. And, and I feel like that is one of the reasons for Absolutely. spending $50 plus on a pen is that the company is, is, um, is promising to be a partner with you in keeping this pen on the road, uh, so to speak. Yeah. And that's a perfect time for me to mention that uh, for this week only at uh, Milligram Melbourne Central, there is a free time with every pen. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're, you're um, absolutely right. And I'm... I'm uh, I don't know. That's a lovely thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't actually thought of it that way, but I agree. And it was certainly that way before, uh, before I had anything to do with the pen industry from the inside. It's, it's that, um, that level of after, uh, after purchase support that you yep. get. Mm-hmm. Um, like a company that immediately comes to mind with that is Twisby. Mm-hmm. Um, just tell us what part you need. We'll, we'll send it. We'll to send you. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they know you care about an item. And that's actually, there you go. That's another thing I think that some people uh, disregard is we really do care. Like, and particularly um, if I get a 2000 in, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure that you don't have to spend a dime right. yeah. on getting it fixed because I love the 2000. Yeah. I can look at it and because of the way they age, I know you love the 2000 or someone that you loved loved the 2000 mm-hmm. and has given it to you. Mm. And it's that's that's why you do it. That's what makes it sort of bearable because it does get you know like any job sort of you lose sight of all of that and it sort of becomes drudge work. And you've just got to remind yourself that it's like oh no no I'm I'm doing something for someone who loves yeah the item they've sent in. So. Cool. A question from Kevin Chan. <laughs> Not Kevin Yang. Not me. Having repaired various pens in the Lamy range, which is the one you would gladly own to use? I know the answer. Well, you can answer that. Is it the 2000? It is the 2000, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but if I'm going to give an answer that isn't a 2000, yeah. and I reckon I can give an answer that isn't even a fountain pen, 
Ooh. It would be the Lamy ST, the okay. tri-pen. Right. Particularly the black one, though I do really like the chrome as well. Uh, I reckon the ST is the single most underrated pen in Lamy's line. It's a lot like a CP1, but a little, uh, yeah. a little lighter. Same, same designer as well. Yeah. Gerde Muller again. Yeah. Uh, it was after the CP1. I can't remember the exact year. Yeah. Uh, but a fantastic tri pen, and they're so sturdy. And the and the good thing about them is they're the one Lamy pen that can take uh, generic refills. <laughs> so they use the D1 style the little tiny D1 style um, multifunction pen refills. Right. Is so, that true of all of Lamy's multi-pens? Because like you can get a 2000 yes, multi-pen. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. So I've actually got a Lamy ST loaded up with some Oto needlepoint gel refills. Oh. And that is so good. And pick any three colors. Any three colors. Yeah, right. So it's a it's a like a tri pen. So it's not it's a black, red, blue. If you want, or if you well, no, it's, it's got two ballpoints and one pencil. Yeah, right. So I I'll use it for notating and notating and uh, making corrections and things like that. And yep. I've got to say the pencil doesn't get much use. But say if I'm reading a book and I want to underline a passage, I'd rather do that in pencil and pen. Yep. Can you pull the pencil out and put another pen color in? No. All right. So the pencil's no. special. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all to do with the mechanism on yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. But yeah. I have not tried any of these pens. No, but I've they not fascinate heard of me because it's they're they're gravity operated. So you pick which so color you want. Th- by the this the one, this one isn't. The oh. ST is just a twist, which oh, is right. another reason why I like it. Is it's so so utilitarian. There's, it's a bit like the two thousand. It's like one of the reasons it's so good is there's so little to go wrong. Got it. Um, it's so spare. Huh. Uh, but yeah, Lamy's multi pens with the the gravity operated uh, color selection. Mm-hmm. I had absolutely not, even working in it, I had absolutely no idea how it worked until one day a customer sent one in in an unpadded envelope and it had just been destroyed. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have been surprised if they were just like, oh, I don't need a padded envelope. It's already... It's already knackered. Yeah, already up expletive yeah, creek yeah. without <laughs> a paddle. Um, and... I, I I won't even try to explain it over the podcast because it's not going to make any sense. But just finally having an answer to that question and it being so simple, I was like, ah. oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but also that's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Someone is a genius. I want to know who did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I reckon my most underrated and definitely a fantastic pen from Lamy's line is the Lamy ST Tri-Pen. Cool. Okay. Uh, question now from Rowena Stewart. Have you serviced more Lamy's than Kevin has in his collection? Um, given I have about 300 and some odd pens. Yes. I, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about that. And um, I think the answer is yes, but at a relatively small margin, I'd reckon. What is that? Oh, really? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I might be vastly wrong. I, I, I do see a hell of a lot of Lamy pens, but well, we um, learned last episode that you got into fountain pens around 2016. So it's been yeah. a few years now. You well, I've only what? been doing this since the end of 2017. Okay, so it's been a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, and so you're getting, uh, you know, on average, how like a pen a week, a few pens a It'd week. It'd probably be five pens a week. Yeah, right. Um, and then. Yeah, so it does add up. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot, but yeah. it's in the same order of magnitude. Yeah, I've certainly serviced over 100 Lamy 2000s alone. So <laughs> we, we do, we, we, the number gets up there. But, um, I mean, it's your collection, yeah. so I never know how to answer that. You might have bought another 50 by the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by the time his podcast ends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's That's three why I gave more you in the, the number up front yeah. there. <laughs> uh, 
how do you keep the parts from two different Lamy 2000s from getting mixed up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you become very, very good at knowing the difference between the two. Yeah. Uh, but also I have very good little accordion trays that I can be a sensible sensible adult and yeah. sort them all yeah. in. Um, knock on wood, yeah. I have never accidentally mistakenly put one part in the wrong pen. <laughs> Everyone's piston knob has gone into the pen it belonged in. Um, <laughs> And I'd want it to because even the piston knobs, uh, they used to be translucent orange for one very small period of time. And, I mean, why? No one was ever going to see the piston knob except someone like me. But yeah, right. But damned if it's cool, I'm going to leave that piston knob in your pen. They got a, they got a bargain on orange plastic that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a discount. Yeah. <laughs> How weird. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's like we were mentioning earlier, the little tiny changes between like all the pistons now are – just black. Yeah. Like the model of the number doesn't the change. There's no clear understanding of what year it started or stopped. No. Oh, interesting. And, and, um, and like we said in the previous episode, it's, uh, it's not just a Lamy thing. Parker, if anyone was even worse at doing that, just little tiny changes for no apparent reason. Um, but, yeah, when you find the piston, you're like, oh, it's a clear piston day today. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Leonie Keel, uh, one of our Melbourne pen posse friends, have there been any pens that you really haven't wanted to give back? Yes, and it's not an exciting answer yet again. It's okay. one of the very, very, very early Lamy uh, 2000s I yep. had come in from the early 60s. Or 1960, between 67 and 70 is roughly where I could age it. Because yep. uh, as Kevin has discovered... <laughs> The what we think the first year 1966 Lamy 2000s had a two color feed, mm, yeah. Um, it has like a green strip down it, or yeah, which I have never seen. Yeah, I've never seen. I've seen virtually every other kind of 2000 under the sun from the we need to pull apart the two new ones that I have that are really old and see what color feed they have. Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, maybe after the podcast's done, because that, that will make for very exciting, exciting radio. Just a lot of creaking and, and a lot then, of, ooh. <laughs> and then, a, oh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you had, a, you had a terracotta safari in one day. Um, yeah. That would have been actually, hard for me to let go of. Yeah, uh, the terracotta safari, I had one come in once. The most exciting thing I've ever unboxed was in its original box, which made it doubly exciting was an original safari green mm. Lamy safari from 1980 right. like plastic on each end and then cardboard between them yeah they're so strange yeah. and that color the terracotta and that khaki green i would kill for that yeah. absolutely kill for that i i i'm hoping they're going to re-release that for it's the it's a 50th, whole different but. texture as well like the modern safaris are either gloss or or the the matte the, the matte but these original ones were um somewhere in between they are a matte as well but not a textured matte i believe new they probably would have been pretty well the same it's All just right. that they've aged oh there you go because that's that's the first thing that happens to the matte finish is it does smooth out and darken mm. so uh i mean you, you you might be right i've never seen a mint one of course i've only seen one that's been in the field for 30 almost 40 years um so it would be interesting to but know yeah, for that certain. original box had the ends in the same plastic as the body of the pen yeah if, if my eyes aren't deceiving me mm-hmm. it was amazing and uh, my favorite little uh, my favorite little thing to notice with vintage uh, safaris is actually the rollerball 
used to use the exact same barrel as the fountain pen, which has the ink window. Yes. But the the uh, grip section of the rollerball used to have two little black painted marks that would perfectly cover up the ink window when you screwed ah. it in. So you get a blacked out ink window on your rollerball. Which is the niftiest little thing. So they didn't have to make two different bodies. Yeah. Yeah. German engineering at its best. <laughs> Got to love them Germans. Got to. They are not all smiles on the sunshine, though. <laughs> There's a Simpsons reference. Oh, dear. All right, this is a good one. I think you'll be excited about this one. Uh-huh. Sue NL. Should I grease the piston on a 2000 once in a blue moon or leave it alone if it's not stuck? All right, so. General home maintenance of your Lamy 2000. I would say it's worth disassembling and greasing if you're comfortable doing so never and this goes for any pen of course never ever go any further if it feels like you're forcing something that shouldn't be forced yep cannot stress that enough but if you feel comfortable disassembling your 2000 and greasing the piston if the piston starts to be a bit staggered in the way it's turning or you feel it catching then grease it but if it's flowing normally don't worry about it Mm. if it ever gets really damaged You've got a guy you can send it to and who really loves doing that. True. So, um, so grease. Where, where grease, would the yes. uh, average home... Um, what, what, what do you grease it where with? Do you, yeah, where, uh, what do you grease it with and where do you get it from? You, uh, the usual silicone grease that will be uh, familiar to most pen uh, aficionados. Yep. Uh, I, funnily enough, I actually bought most of my supplies early in the piece from uh, Papa Goulet at the Goulet Pen <laughs> Company. <laughs> And uh, making that happen, hashtag Papa Goulet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Max at Fountain Pen Supplies will yes. set you yes. up with some yes. uh, silicone um, grease if I you need I believe James I, at Pensive Pens probably has some and correct. Desk Bandit. Or buy any Twisby. Uh, their their no, grease yes, isn't fantastic, though. It's less thick and yes. grippy. It's yeah. quite thin. Thick. And even I wouldn't use it on a Twisby. Mm. Yeah. So the, um, in when fact, you said... Go ahead. I think I will be needing to buy another lot of brass sheets and pen tools from Max very, very, very soon. She will be at the Melbourne Pen Show. How convenient, because so will I. (laughs) (laughs) The the body of the 2000, if we're talking about, you know, disassembling it or Mm -hmm. just like taking the section off so Mm -hmm. that you can get into where the piston is with some silicone grease, the... The body of the pen, famously, it hides its seams with the brushing. Yes. And I was always worried that if I untwisted that nib section, it would never twist back on exactly the same. Yeah. But is that thread like a single entry thread? So it'll always go back on with the same orientation that it came off? It is. Yeah. And also the uh, – and it's, it's why I get a little – when I see people post online about like – I just need an extra front section for my barrel or I just need the end or I need the piston knob. I'm like, no, 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 no. Buy the entire barrel because that's the way that Lamy make it. That's the way they're meant to be purchased because they're all brushed as one piece. And if you, I mean, you know, other than the fact that it's going to screw in and not crack on you because it's not fitting properly, um, 
it's the way that good old Gerd A. Muller in 1966 wanted it to be, and I reckon that's important. So, And if you're actually using the pen, mm. the finish changes over time. And so you, if you've yeah. got a brand-new nib section yeah. with a five-year-old body, body, they're going to look completely different. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, so it's always a little disappointing when I have to, say, replace a whole barrel that's had a really worn cap. But, of course, a worn cap and a new barrel is okay because at least you know that the barrel's going to get worn at the same rate. And eventually they will match again, <laughs> just not for the first little while. Um, and, yeah, we should mention as well, actually, when a 2000 does age and it gets that pitch black, almost gloss finish, the ink window will clear up as well. Oh, wow. And it starts looking like, I always compare it to like um, like one of those uh, viewing platforms like a Telstra Tower or that kind of thing. It starts looking like a real sort of mid-century Bauhaus uh, observation deck. It's uh, really neat. It gets better with age. gets better with age. There you go. I won't say what Kevin said I was before. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's for a... a It's for a later. (laughs) Nib section after hours. (laughs) What nib section pregnancy edition? I am not pregnant. Um, Okay, last question. Uh, Japheth Thompson... Jepeth Thompson. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, mate. Sorry. Um, and it's not specifically Lamy related. Um, I purchased a pen I love, but the nib is scratchy and hard starts and I live somewhere remote. What can I do? I have an answer. Well, you can answer and then I'll answer. Send it to Max Schumacher at yes, the Schumacher Pen Company. That is, a f- that is fantastic advice. I recently had a couple of pens ground by Max at the Sydney Pen Show Yep. after having had a couple of pens ground by him at the previous Sydney Pen Show, mm-hmm. and that fella does excellent work. Um, I would like to add to that as well mm-hmm. that uh, two, two points. One, it almost doesn't matter what the brand is. There probably will be someone within Australia that you can send it to, and it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Um, the second thing is that... That's the way I learned originally was I spent a lot of money on a pen that when I got it, it just didn't work and I am impatient and I didn't follow the advice I just gave and didn't send it to anyone. I bought a pen tuning kit and uh, attacked it on my own. So, How did that work out? Yeah, all right. All right? Yeah, all right. You a thing or two on the way, I imagine. Yeah, I, I would even argue that um, for me anyway, pro- the wise choice is to start on cheaper pens. Mm. But i got to say, learning on an expensive pen, you do take your time and you are very careful. So I think there was a lot of fast learning. It's probably like uh, doing your first driver's driving test in like a 1950s Porsche Speedster or something. Mm-hmm. It's like you've got to be a little careful. We, uh, we said this wasn't a Lamy-specific question, but I think it's probably worth noting that mm-hmm. if you have just bought a Lamy in Australia and you live in Dubbo or whatever – you can still send it to Tom. You can still send it to me. Um, absolutely. Uh, nib, nib services and nib tuning. Very rarely do I ever have a Lamy nib come in that is damaged from the factory or is not working from the factory. Uh, some are a little bit more feedbacky than others. Some will have a bit of different flow to others. Uh, nothing that is not just fairly easy to service and fairly easy to adjust. Mm. So I'm always more than happy to do nib work. And if you've bought a Lamy pen brand new, having it write well is part of the service. Yeah, and mm. we want them to write well. I'm certainly not going to charge for – I never have charged for smoothing out a Lamy nib or anything like that. I want you to be happy with the pen you've just bought. 
because I love opening an envelope with a pen that's been in someone's hand for 40 years. Mm. And that pen isn't going to be in someone's hand for 40 years if they don't like writing with it from when they bought it. That's why with every Lamy pen sold at Milligram this week, you get a free Tom. (laughs) (laughs) For me. Um, And I would also like to add to that that Tav... Um, also a co-host on the podcast, also um, does some nib work. Um, so, yeah, you'd be able to contact either Max or Tav and their details will be in the show notes. Uh, if you require them, that's the end of the pen doctor questions. Woo-hoo. Have you got any other pen doctor business that you would like to... There's no time. <laughs> ...attend to or Well, that's we convenient because I don't really. Cool. So we're all good. We're going to move on now to the news section of the podcast. The Melbourne Pen Show is coming. Hooray! Sunday, November the 10th at the Malvern Town Hall in Malvern. That's M-A-L-V-E-R-N, Malvern. (laughs) Jump onto the socials that are listed in the show notes to keep up to date with exhibitor spotlights, talks, tours and more. This year is the biggest pen show yet with more exhibitors than previous years. Some brand new uh, tables, including fountain pen supplies and graphic gear. There will be our favourite show tables by Milligram, Bookbinders Design, Pensive Pens, Yakov, uh, Bernie. So many. There is literally so many. Yakov and Bernie are dangerous, dangerous, dangerous people to know. Good times. Uh, and for the first time, uh, Graf von Faber-Castell will be showcasing at the show with their products available for purchase from the Melbourne Pen Depot table. Save the date. Get on it. Um, the three of us will see you there. That we will. All day. And maybe even the nib section. We'll see what we can do. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're going to head into our Lamy nerd out section now. Kevin, yeah. the floor is yours. Well, cool. Uh we have planned very little of this other than that Tom and I are both close followers of Lamy and we probably have a lot to chat about. Yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how we haven't exhausted everything to talk about Lamy yet. We probably have, but, but I'm sure the yeah. listeners wouldn't mind listening to us rehash some of it I think it we need anyway. to start earlier next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2019 has been a pretty big year for Lamy. I think yeah. you would agree it's been unprecedented in terms of the number of... Each year seems to be unprecedented yeah. at this point. The last couple of years have only been bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, it's kind of wild. Any highlights for you for 2019 in terms of what's, what's come out from our friends in Heidelberg? Uh, that... Bauhaus edition was pretty hot. Yep. That was nuts. I um, We'd heard early in the piece that there would be something for the 100th anniversary of the Bauhaus school uh, and that it would be a quote-unquote new pen. We did not know what they meant, if it would be a brand new pen model or it would be mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. what it ended up being, a limited edition. I can't say I ever expected it to be a limited edition Macrolon 2000. Uh, in a colour. In a colour. Anyone who follows Lamy knows that Lamy don't do that. Mm. Um, there is the I, – I haven't even seen photos of it, but there is the legendary red Macrolon yes. 2000 set that was sold if at auction. If you go searching for it, you will find a, a listing of an auction where the one set ever made of these was sold. Yeah, it was like 30000 50000 50, um, Is it sort of in the same um, pocket as the red iPhone – is, it was for AIDS. Yeah, it was yes. a product red red. Yes, so product the red. red red that yes. Apple does. 
Um, and it was the designer Mark Newman who, who worked with Apple on the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Mark Newson? Newson, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Um, and so he and, and Johnny Ive collaborated yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. on it. And yeah, bright red Lamy 2000 that everyone would love to have. Yeah. And we all thought, okay, well, colors are off the table. I can't remember if it was Johnny Ive or Mark Newson who did a um, – I think it was one of them who did a army green like. No, they did a white Leica. Sorry, mm. they did a white Leica. There is an army green Leica. What I was going to go with that is I really want an army green Lamy 2000, <laughs> but I don't think that'll ever happen. That would be amazing. It would be amazing. There's the like, yeah, the the received wisdom that no one knows if it's true or not is that they can't brush the metal without discoloring the the plastic and therefore that's why they go with black plastic because you can't see the discoloration of the the sparks from the metal yeah but i don't know if that's true i've never heard that i have to admit if it is true it might explain why a navy blue was doable Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know how they did the red then yeah, kind of. We had to do it once. I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe there is a bin full of red two thousands. Yeah, yeah. Oh god damn it! This limited edition was a disaster. All right, we'll just the one can go. We got out. one. We we made one. <laughs> oh, uh, um, so yeah, apart apart from the Bauhaus, but like in mm. the generally available um, special editions. The two studios that came out. Yeah. The the three safaris that came out. If you don't count the American. The, like uh, the yeah, 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 the President's Day. Uh, yeah. the, the colored aeons, the bronze all-star. Like, um, what of those is, is special to you? I think it would be the Maron. Yeah. I've been a real advocate for the LX or the, the Lux. Um, I think it's a fantastic pen and um, – I've I've got a bit of a thing for brown pens or, and gold pens, so uh, the Maron uh, fits just perfectly. You get a nice brown tube with it. You get the tube. <laughs> That's the sound the tube makes when you open it. Yeah. It's a boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, in your day to day, as someone who is like at the at the at the intersection with the customer for Lamy. Hmm. Do you t- can you tell a big difference between when you're dealing with a collector of Lamy um, or someone who just wants a pen to write with? Like, You can tell the enthusiasts, ver- certainly. Yeah. Um, I don't know about collector of Lamy. There are certain collectors of uh, tell the difference before they say anything. Yeah, it's yeah. almost the way they walk up to a display. Yeah. It's like, Honestly, got it, got it, got it, got um, it. Need it. But my favorite is when you get someone who walks up to a display, like someone who just needs a pen, yeah. and you turn them into an enthusiast. <laughs> uh, there have been a couple of people like that. Yeah. I uh, once had a fella come in wearing a um, a Nomos Zurich, a really beautiful watch from Germany, and we started talking about the watch, and I was like, oh, Hans Wettstein, he's a wonderful designer. I have a pen by him, the Lamy Studio. <laughs> and we started talking about pens. And i got to say, I've seen him a couple more times yeah. and he's well into it now. Wow. Yeah, I- I've got a Lamy for you to look at. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, it's, it's, it's in a silver. It's in a silver case, like yeah. a sunglasses case. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> what on earth? Oh, it's not a pen, ladies and gentlemen. Holy moly. It's a coffee press. No, it's not. <laughs> It's a, it's a set of um, it's a set of uh, Prince of Wales uh, slacks. It's, <laughs> Come it's on, a Tom. watch. It's, it's a, watch. a watch. I had a collector who uh, wow. I was missing a couple of rarities in my uh, in my collection, and, yep. and this collector heard the last episode that I was on, and I mentioned a couple of things I was missing, 
And he contacted me by email and said, I am actually like slowly divesting myself mm-hmm. of my Lamy collection. Right. I've got a couple of the things you need. Yeah. Would you be interested in them? And um, to go back to something you said on our previous episode, he, he picked out the 20 pens I was interested in, put them in the post unpaid, sent them from Europe all the way to Australia at his expense. Oh my gosh. And said, tell me what you think if you want to keep them and we'll work, out, work things out. Wow. Once his pens are on the other side of the oh, world. That's incredible. You know what Nick Gold says? Pen people are good people. They are, they are. good people. They I are. insisted on coming to a price before he put anything right. in, in the air for me. But when the parcel arrived, there was all the pens and there was this, a Lamy wristwatch. And I am not a watch person, so I'm not really sure what to make of it. Is it? Is it? Is, is it, it watchy? Is it watchy? Is it interesting? <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a dive watch, and clearly Lamy meant for it to actually be used as a dive watch because it's on a rubber strap. Yeah. So it's heavy. It is heavy. It's a quartz movement, so it needs a new battery. <laughs> uh, it's got a unidirectional bezel. Oh, God, it's really. Um, Tom Smitten. Yeah, it's really, uh, <laughs> really funky looking. It's not quite what if you told me Lamy made a watch. It's not what I would have thought. I wouldn't have, have gone with out. the rubber. Um, but how neat! And there's Lamy on the. There's not Lamy on the dial at all, but there's Lamy on uh, on the strap. Hmm. Is there Lamy on the back? No, there's just a couple scratches. Oh. <laughs> how cool! Yeah. All right, I'll hand that back to you. There you go. In the fancy <laughs> box. Um, were you around for the whole dark lilac thing? No, I missed that. I missed dark lilac. I missed I dark still lilac have, by I s- 12 months. I still have dark lilac parts lying around. Oh, yeah. I Can was in the pen one? hobby, but <laughs> I was not in the biz. Um, I was around for the uh, extra fine uh, scarcity, the oh, drought. Right. Oh, right. Yes. That, was, that, that was, was real. That was my drama mm-hmm. that I, mm-hmm. uh, I entered with. Mm. Yeah. And what was that like? Uh, frustrating. Yep. People um, came in, they wanted their EFs. Yeah. Uh, and I understand why it happened. I didn't understand at the time because uh, it was literally like my first day at the job. Can you explain why it happened? Uh, it was just an expand. As far as I understand, there was probably a lot of reasons, but it was an expansion thing. So right. Lamy has grown as a company yep. hugely in the past couple of years. And all of their nibs, uh, particularly the gold ones, particularly the gold 2000 nibs, mm-hmm. which is the only 2000 nibs, but particularly the gold 2000 nibs, they're all looked over by hand. So, of course, they can't just go to the back room, unzip another pen specialist and bring them out and yeah. <laughs> plug them in and set them to work. Mm-hmm. They're real people, real experts who need training. So there was five pen specialists who were for – or five or so nib specialists who were – Perfectly, perfect right amount to do the amount that they were selling at the time. Yep. Then the company grew at an incredibly fast rate mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they weren't able to keep up with the uh, demand. Um, and I reckon this is true of every market pretty much as I understand. Extra Fine is an incredibly popular nib size in Lamy's line. Uh, so it just t- it took a little bit of uh, – Bit of growing pain, mm-hmm. but we're we're finally on the other side of it. Mm. So it was just a something's got to give. We're growing. We can't. Yeah, exactly. All of yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. Right, cool. So speaking of dark lilac, like that ink is is. Covered. Yeah, I I bring it up with customers all the time. It's like, oh, do you have a really nice dark purple? I'm like, well, you're going to hate me for mentioning this, but <laughs> if you go on eBay, yeah, two hundred dollars a bottle last yeah. night. Ka-ching. Uh 
But uh, as far as currently available inks, like that new crystal line that came out, yeah. 10 colors in yep. it. You got any favorites in the uh, Lamy crystal so, set? So Topaz and Agate I really love because I love a good gray and I love a good brown ink. Mm-hmm. And they are good grays and good browns. Uh, but the my topaz f- sheen's really interesting. Yeah, too. but my favorite would have to be Benita White, uh-huh. which is their Waterfast Blue Black, which for the Lamy nerds out there, Lamy Blue Black used to be, just the standard Lamy Blue Black used to be Iron Gall until it was changed to the uh, what it is currently. Uh, so this is a very sneaky way of Lamy Introdu- reintroducing a, a bit of a cult favorite. Coca-Cola um, classic. Exactly. Yeah, right. And it's fantastic. It's great. Mm. Um, I just showed you that Lamy watch, which I figure is some piece of swag internal to the company. It's like a marketing yeah, gift I wouldn't or be something. Su- uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was yeah, given out in a, a canvas bag at a conference or something. Or you ever gotten any cool Lamy swag from the inside? Um Funnily enough, not from Lamy. No. I've oh. gotten postcards from Kaveco. Oh, yeah. Very groovy little postcards yeah. from Kaveco. And I've gotten a really cool shirt from Delphonics. Ah. Oh, sorry, I lie. We got pastel shirts from Lamy. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, to match the, the pastel. Lamy. To match the pastel <laughs> colors. But I've got to say, I do not look good in pastel. No, I wouldn't do um, Yeah, so it's a bit, a bit lost on me. But One of the Southeast Asian markets was giving away keep cups in matching pastel tones. Oh, to yes, the, I saw those too. So you bought the Safari and you get a matching Oh, keep that would have been neat. Yeah, and you could get a, a blue, green, and, and pink keep cup, which would be cool. Um, yeah. Um, do you know anything about why uh, the packaging varies so much be- from between regions? Yeah, uh, it can just be to do with what what we decide to order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And I know that this is. I remember um, when I first sort of learnt about this. Uh, Le Cron de Comte was one of the reasons why their shipping was so much higher, or someone else's shipping was so much mm-hmm. higher for Pelican pens. Was they opted for this giant cheese wheel sized box rather than another one? So there actually are a lot of options as far as the packaging that pens come in. Mm-hmm. But there is so many uh, old style, retired styles of boxes that Lamy used to do that I wish they'd bring back. Like mm-hmm. there's one that was. Uh, a cigarette case, effectively, like just a single, uh, not cigarette case, sorry, cigar case. A little little tube that's, it was so neat. Um, but yeah, there's there's all sorts, there's all sorts. My favourite is probably, though, the, that you can still get is the trifold, the little yeah. one that's just the same size as the pen, opens up uh, once and then again, and it's got the little, uh, uh, what would you call it, the scissor inside the, yep. the pyramid shape inside to hold the pen mm-hmm. I've got a bit of a soft spot for that because when I got my Lamy 2000 as a gift years before I worked as a pen doctor that's what it came in mm. so but yeah you can so this is what I've heard is that the the, the retailer orders the packaging separately from the pens yeah, and yeah. they get put together at the last and I wouldn't stage. wouldn't be surprised either that if certain markets like say China which for Lamy is gigantic Absolutely. I mean, China, I suppose, as a market is huge for pretty much everyone. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go ahead and make their own accessories alongside it. Uh, like, I think they were giving, they had like pastel lunch boxes as well and yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there was a heap of different pastel stuff so I wouldn't from be the surprised, Asian markets. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they just straight up, straight up just did it themselves. Um, you like a piston? I do like a piston. Uh, pistons not 
very prevalent in Lamy's line. It's like they've kept it just for the 2000s. No, um, and I'd reckon the reason for that is the same reason why uh, Japanese makers, to my understanding, prefer cartridge uh, converters is they are easier to service. Yeah. So as far as a, for the consumer and the uh, manufacturer, they actually just make more sense. The part that wears um, out. The part that disposable. wears out is disposable. Yeah. You can replace it. Uh, you don't have to – it's a little less fun to fix. Yeah. But in the long run, makes a much more sense. And uh, I do have to admit that the great trick of having the ink bottle at home and the matching cartridges in your bag just in case you write an incredible amount is really convenient. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I will always prefer a pen that fills into the body. It feels a little bit special. Which, uh, apart from the 2000, of course, which of uh, Lamy's models should have a demonstrator that doesn't? Ooh, good question. Um, I would like, this might be a cop-out, I would like a whole bunch of transparent, coloured Lamy vistas. Oh, wow. Yeah, that it's Like a transparent red vista mm -hmm. and yeah, a transparent yeah. blue. I reckon purple. that would... Purple. I reckon that would be... They're running out of hot. opaque colours, so it's got to come. Yeah, surely. Surely <laughs> it's got to come. Um, but if we're talking about a model that isn't, I'd love to see a transparent, even if it's just for me at work to show customers, I want a transparent body Dialogue 3. Yeah. I want people to see Man. all the cogs yes. inside that. Yeah, transparent dialogue through. I want a transparent VP. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I've only Why ever not? seen one. Why not indeed? Yeah, that would be so neat. Because, of course, demonstrator pens, the reason they're called that is because they were never meant for consumers. They were meant for retailers to show how a pen worked. Yeah. Uh, which is why uh, demonstrator Schaefer PFMs, which actually there is a good chance you'll see at the Melbourne Pen Show, uh, transparent uh, Schaefer PFMs and transparent Montblanc 146s mm -hmm. and whatnot are so rare yep. It's because they were never consumer items. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm nerded out. You're nerded out? We can move on. Tommy, you nerded out? I'm nerded out, I reckon. <laughs> Done well, guys. That was really good. Um, now... It's time for the part of the pod where we share our recommendations. Kevin. I've got something. Go. Uh, this is for the Melbourne listeners. Uh, if you're in Melbourne and you take public transit, you use a MyKey, and the MyKey website is awful. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing about having a MyKey if you use it regularly is that you buy a MyKey pass every month or so, and at a certain point it runs out and you don't find out about it until you've already started paying uh, more expensive fares, and it's really annoying. Well, and and Mikey doesn't have a good iPhone app or a good. Uh, uh, they you can use your phone as your Mikey if you have an Android, but uh, there is a new app called uh, <laughs> there is a new app called Arrivo, which is put out by RACV. Uh, ah. But one of the nice features of the Arrivo app is it. Uh, will link to your MyKey account, show you your current balance mm -hmm. and your current pass balance, and it will send you a push notification a few days before your pass runs out. Oh, oh wow. And you can renew it with a single tap on your phone. It, it, they, you trust RACV with your credit card details. Yeah. But apart from that, it's like super painless, super automated. It's saved me money already. Uh, it's the MyKey app that MyKey has yet to write. Um, and that it's sounds available right. for free. Fantastic. Um, is that on Android as well? or uh, Check your local listings. It's worth a check. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't right. be surprised. Uh, I'm preparing myself for dis disappointment. A-R-E-V-O. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. 
Mr. Tom, you're up next. Yes. So I am going to recommend Paris, Texas by Vim Vendors. It's my favourite movie of all time. Scored by Ry Cooda, my favourite soundtrack of all time. Uh, starring Harry Dean Stanton and Dean Stockwell. Wow. And Aurora Clement and uh, Nastasha, uh, Natasha Kinski. Uh it is, I don't even know how to describe it. It's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. The cinematography looks like photography by uh, William Eggleston or paintings by uh, Edward Hopper. It's, I don't want to say anything about what it's about, except it's about Harry Dean Stanton walks out of the desert and collapses at a gas station and doesn't talk. He doesn't remember who he is and his brother has thought he was dead for the last four years and that's how the film begins. And you just follow this man as he returns to civilization, and you slowly learn. It is a slow movie, but it's beautiful. You slowly learn what led him to disappear off the face of the earth. Nice. Interesting. I like a mystery. Oh, I like your movie and, and um, book recommendations. I'm glad, Mel. I probably will never watch them, but I like the way that you <laughs> describe them. If you ever catch it at the Asta, it's it's worth going. Cool. It's worth going. Um, you could just have a podcast describing books and movies. That sounds like an idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. My recommendation is for a small business uh, close to me in, uh, in Bacchus Marsh in Victoria, country Victoria. Um, it is Ox Art Pottery. His Instagram handle is Ox Art Pottery, all one word, O-X-A-R-T, P-O-T-T-E-R-Y. Ox is an amazing potter. Um, I love ceramics. I love um, fruit bowls. I love ceramic coffee cups. I love my most favourite thing of his is a, a ceramic oil dispenser that puts out the perfect amount of olive oil for cooking every time. But he just has the most beautiful hand-thrown and hand-sculpted um, pieces. He will send them to you wherever you are. If you're local to Bacchus Marsh and Dali, he does um, classes. He's also a school teacher, so he's really good with kids. If you've got kids that want to get interested in it and he runs school holiday programs for maybe the Christmas school holidays if you're interested and you're local. Um, but, yeah, check him out. Give him a like on Facebook. Um, and yeah, if you like something, he will send it to you. Where does he sell? Is it Facebook, Etsy, that sort of thing? Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, All right. of the details will be in the show notes. Have you talked to him about doing a pen stand of some no. kind? A ceramic pen stand. Yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. So there's a niche there. <laughs> a very big niche, yeah. yeah. Or a very small niche. Is that the way it works? Yeah, is a niche still a niche if it's big? I suppose it's always <laughs> relative, isn't it? When does oh. a niche become a nook? <laughs> and then a nook a cranny <laughs> that wraps up this episode of the nib section podcast thank you tom thank you thank you kevin thank you thank you future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts hop onto itunes rate us review us recommend us to your friends want to share your thoughts suggestions feedback we'd love to hear from you Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or 
at The Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Mal Sanders, Kevin Yank and Tom May. Recording and editing was done by Kevin Yank and Diana Dye. Special thanks this episode goes to Tom May. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. Thank you.